This podcast is going to be my reaction to the smart drug debate. But I'm going to begin by answering a question from Tom who emailed me. He said, I was once researching a lot about nootropics for a presentation, but that was a long time ago. I decided to try nootropics on my own to experience what I can offer. I ordered the following from Bulk Powders. Choline, betatrate, DMAEL, tyrosine, caffeine pills, and omega-3 fish oil caps. Now my questions because I am a beginner concerning the use of such supplements. Number one, which one should I try first in which dose? Which stack combinations can you recommend for which purpose? and which combos are not recommended. I searched everywhere, but watching your videos, thumbs up by the way, I haven't found an answer to which of these supplements I could combine. My goal is to learn more, be more focused, keep my brain as well as having a more clear brain during my university exams. Okay, Tom. So this is a little bit of a funny combination that you've got right here. None of these are really the smart drugs that I would recommend the most highly for what your biohacking goals are. Choline betaut rate is not one of the top smart drugs for improve for immediate performance enhancement. Choline is a little bit more of a long-term biohacking anti-aging strategy. DMAE, I actually have some real reservations about as a as a smart drug, it has a lot of potential downsides. I have a very thorough article that I wrote about it that I'm actually going to be producing into a podcast here soon. So I encourage you to actually read that article because I, I'm really not sure if DMAE is a good risk-reward trade-off. L-tyrosine is a smart drug that I like quite a bit. You got caffeine pills, which are, if, if anything else, they are a consistent source of energy, and you also picked up omega-3, which I am a fan of omega-3. I think you'll you'll not find anyone out there on the internet that is going to uh, say that omega-3 is a, a bad idea given your biohacking goals. However, those first two, I'm not sure you're going to be real impressed with it. Okay, which one of these should you try first? I would go ahead and try the tyrosine first. Tyrosine as a smart drug has a lot of really good science behind it. And anecdotally, it's quite a consistent performance enhancer. It'll help you if you are sleep deprived, which as a university student, you probably find yourself sleep deprived from time to time. If not, you know, get out there, have a little bit more fun, live a little bit while you're young. I think the caffeine pills are, they're going to have the same effect that the coffee is going to have on you. They're going to make you a whole lot more energetic. They're a wakefulness agent, but they're probably not going to help your cognition. They're probably not going to help your memory a whole lot. 
But if you really need an extra four hours of intensity to study, they're, they're going to help quite a bit. And then the omega-3 is not really going to produce any spikes in your cognitive performance or your memory, but they are a good idea. So I would say just take your omega-3, take it, take it every day. Why not? It's one of those things that's really foundational. As far as stack combinations, I'm not going to recommend that you take all of these together. And here's why is everyone's neurobiology is so different that if you take these all together, you're going to get a cumulative effect, right? And it's likely going to be a positive cumulative effect. So you're not really going to know which of these individual ingredients is having the desired effect. Like, for example, one of these is probably going to be great for sleep deprivation. One of these is going to be better for your memory. And then one of these is going to be better for your wakefulness. But until you actually go and use them individually, you're not really going to know. So my suggestion would be to give each one of these like five days to a week of taking it alone. And at the end of that time, you'll probably figure out one or two that don't do a lot for you and you can just, I don't know, I don't know throw them out or maybe you'll have used them up already, give them to someone else. And then you can start stacking things together that you do know what works for you. So I'm going to encourage you to take a little bit more of a systems approach. And again, I really don't think these are the greatest study drugs out there. I'm going to direct you towards the racetams if you're looking for some study drugs that are really going to be transformative. Without any further ado, I will transition to the article, which is the subject of this podcast, which is the debate on smart drugs. The Intelligence Squared YouTube channel is one of my favorite YouTube channels, and it's one of the few places on the internet that transcends the echo chamber by pitting teams of elite experts against each other for well over an hour to debate and explore the nuances and challenge our preconceptions of the the issues that, that you probably feel really strongly about one way or another that we are dealing with collectively as a society. And this week, they debated the issue of smart drug usage on campus. And so I watched it with keen interest. I've personally used well over 60 smart drugs. And I've also spent about 10 hours a week for the past four years on PubMed studying the human clinical trials of the the smart drugs that I'm taking and writing about. This is a rabbit hole that goes deep, and I've explored it thoroughly, which is part of the reason why I, I, I organized some response and hopefully a few uh, novel, useful insights based upon these debates. I've got some snarky remarks and insights at different timestamps. So around 1440, someone says, smart drugs don't exist. False. This guy has obviously 
not tried them. And I linked to four different meta-analyses papers where they, they, they found that smart drugs did in fact exist. I also left this as a YouTube comment to uh, hopefully provide a little bit of education for some of the people that are watching this debate about smart drugs for the first time and are maybe being a little bit misinformed. 22, smart drug addiction, not a thing. I have cycled on and off smart drugs multiple times and never experienced any withdrawal symptoms. People ask me about this all the time. Uh, actually, now that I think about that, that's not entirely true. The week I went off coffee was pretty rough. I've, I've dialogued with probably at this point hundreds of other biohackers and I've come across virtually no cases of really self-destructive addiction to smart drugs. So when you hear people talking about that they're really concerned about smart drug addiction, it's largely, uh, it's largely complete fabrication. It's largely paranoia. Around the 27-minute mark, they talk about how life should be more fair. And I responded that life isn't fair and smart drugs do give one an unfair advantage. And to paraphrase the moderator, while smart drugs are a potent weapon in the cognitive arms race in our increasingly competitive intellectual economy, there are actually a lot of other cognitive enhancement options out there that can be used to level the playing field. Like one of my favorites is dual end back training, mindfulness meditation, healthy diet, and lifestyle can be, in my opinion, equally effective performance enhancers as dropping some modafinil or taking racetams. Around number 41, someone said, very uh, eruditely, I thought, smart drugs are an epiphenomenon of our competitive environment. They were talking about how smart drugs uh, have resulted from this, this super competitive world of capitalism in which we are ensconced. Around number 42, I think she was actually referring to Anne Rhine's science fiction short story about a completely equal society. It's called Anthem. Uh, it's, it's worth a read. It's, it's short and it's inexpensive. At 50, the lady from the pro-smart drugs side really nailed her point. She said, our economy, I agreed with her that our economy is desperately in need of invention and hard work, and competition is the primary enabler of progress, so let's enable that competition, which smart drugs can certainly help with. There was a Aussie Dutch woman who was debating against smart drugs, and around the 52-minute mark, she confirms that she really is Karl Marx reincarnated. But for those who share her concerns, the good news is that smart drugs are a tremendous gift to the downtrodden proletariat who are, you know, tweeting so courageously about the oppression of the 1% on their smart drugs. Since, since virtually any student can afford smart drugs, uh, even though they are a product an epiphenomenon of the competitive environment, I believe that they're really a tremendous enabler of equality. At the hour mark, 
They kept drawing a comparison between sports drug doping and smart drugs. I think this is a really crappy comparison. Sports are comprised of arbitrary rules that make them fun games for the athletes and spectators. Now, on the other hand, the mostly free market that the students are competing for in is mostly a pure meritocracy of ability. So I, I just don't think there's a good metaphor to be made there. At 105, the coffee question really completely exposes the irrationality of the opposition's arguments. At 116, Rita made a really good point that smart drugs are enablers of violation. When you really want to work hard, they enable you to do so. When you want to actually relax, different smart drugs can help you relax. Smart drugs, uh, if anything, drastically improve the quality of life. And as I've talked about elsewhere, smart drugs are one of my very top shortcuts to self-control, one of my very top shortcuts to achieving true violation, making my decision for myself. Obviously, I'm not the only person that feels this way about them. Overall, I think this is kind of a silly debate motion because students are already using smart drugs and they're going to continue to do so. And all the students who use smart drugs are, are secretly wishing that they would be outlawed because that would just potentiate the unfair advantage that they imbue, right? That would just create the black market that would potentiate the asymmetrical advantage that they have over their, their uh, other colleagues and the other students that are simply running off of caffeine. IQ, squ IQ squared consistently books the top experts in the world pro and con the motion that's being debated. So it says a lot that the best objections the opposition could come up with was that smart drugs might turn you into a workaholic, which I've actually agreed with elsewhere. I'm satisfied that the motion was carried and the skeptics in the audience were swayed by the philosophical rationality and the scientific arguments of the pro-smart drug team. So I'm going to really highly recommend that everyone check out this debate. You're probably already on the pro-smart drug side like myself. However, the con-smart drug side brought up a lot of the debate points that you're going to, that, that people that are unaccustomed to smart drugs are going to bring up when you mention it for the first time. And watching this debate can help you to prepare a little bit of your verbal weaponry to assuage their skepticism and get them on Team Biohack.